Hello, you're through to Keith. I'm podcasting all day today, so I can't take your call. Leave a message, or I'll call you back tomorrow. Hey, perfect. Perfect. Brilliant. Perfect. That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Hello and welcome to a very special episode of the Word and Blog podcast. My name's James, and with me, he will tenderly explain that he will guarantee you at least one orgasm. It's Jack. Hello. <laughs> and he just stayed in and had a big wank. It's Danny. Oh, I don't know why you're such a hit with the ladies. <laughs> what do I mean for this session? <laughs> and if we're handing out quotes for intros, let's give one to him. Look at him. It's Ewan McIntosh, a.k.a. Big Keith. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. How's it going? Thanks for joining us, Ewan. It's great to have you. Hey, no problem, guys. No problem. Loving it. Loving it already. <laughs> it's only going to go downhill from here. <laughs> That's everything about it. The podcast, the quotes, brilliant. So this is our return to podcasting after we. So we've done now all of the episodes. We've yep. done. We've done two series and two and two specials. That that's all done in the bag, and, and we had our fans asking us, you know, what's next? What what, what have we got yeah. next in the pipeline? What have you got in the pipeline? Yeah. The public's, you know, heard these four guys. They're saying, yeah, what more have you got? <laughs> <laughs> and then the answer to them is a very very special guest, yeah. Big Keith himself. So Keith, I'm uh, sorry. Oh man, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, you. How I long meant... was that? How long was that? Oh man, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I mean, that's the thing. That's I... a record. Well, is that a record though? I mean, I I didn't mean I genuinely didn't do that on purpose. But I, I mean, is that an issue for you in general, like being recognised as Keith and people calling you Keith, or are people more respectful than me normally? Well, it depends if they if they see the show or not. I guess. What What do you think the cultural uh, currency of the office is at the moment? Because obviously we all love it, and all of our friends and you know people of our age absolutely love it. But we've had this discussion on the podcast before, wondering whether or not it's kind of carried on through to the next generation. You know mm. the. Uh, the, the teenagers, the twenty-year-olds who kind of could catch it on Netflix because it's on obviously it's on Netflix now. Um, wondering whether, yeah, wondering whether the show has actually passed down to that generation. What, what do you think as, as the expert on the street? Um, I, w- I wouldn't say I'm an expert, but from doing a lot of the uh, you know the quizzes and all this and uh, DJing and, and sort of meeting people, it is it has come back. I think there was a time where it kind of dipped out. Yeah, and. Um, I was saying, I've said this to someone the other day that I think there was a time in about about six, seven, maybe eight years ago, where I probably got recognised more from being in Little Britain than the oh. office. Yeah, of course. That was yeah. huge, wasn't it? And then that, and then that seemed to have gone. And now I don't get recognised from Little Britain at all. Uh, and so weirdly, that seems to have gone completely gone out of uh, the public consciousness, or certainly to the extent that they wouldn't recognise me from it. Mm. Well, you know, back then when Little Britain, it was all school kids as well. That was the annoying thing. Well, speaking of shows of no Ooh. cultural capital at the moment, <laughs> Little <Yeah>. Britain. <laughs> yeah. It's a shame though. It's weird how you're right. They do just come and go, don't they? Because I remember Little Britain was huge, man. It was literally the biggest show yeah, of the time. Massive. Yeah. It was definitely it was, in terms of like cultural awareness. It was definitely the biggest show, the biggest comedy show in a sort of a five or six year period. Like, was. It was just everywhere. Everyone knew all the places. And of course, you and uh, I don't know if you know this, but uh, Keith was voted the um, oh, yeah. best side character by our Word and Blog listeners and our um, our Facebook. He uh, knows. Fans. Is he really a side character though, Keith? Honestly. Well, that's the question we he's had. Kind isn't of it? question. He's kind of spending the meaning a well, bit there. He's a side it? character in as much as Tim, Dawn, and Gareth and David are main characters, but. He's a very iconic side character, obviously. Yeah. So, uh, so how did you feel about winning that competition, Ewan? 
well, you know, I was, I was surprised actually. I thought that uh, I thought Ralph might might get there. You know, I thought Finch is such a amazing creation. Yeah. But uh, I thought Finchy might might steal it to be honest. But uh, you know, there you go. Them's the breaks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do think when it comes down to it, though, Keith is just such a he's a nice guy when it comes down to it, isn't it? Like he's just well, he, he's he's kind of he's he's right. nice to root for, whereas Finchy. You yeah, either love him or you hate him. If we're basing it on likability, Finchie's definitely not winning. But as a, I, I think he means sort of as a character. If it depends how you take best character, well, really. Yeah, it's an interesting one because it, it, you don't often get an, such an iconic character who has no real impact on the plot. Because in theory, The Office would have been the same whether Keith as a character was there or not. But he's made such an impact on people mm. that just by being there, do you know what I mean? It's a really interesting mm. thing, really. Well, you know, I think you're forgetting that he gives out pretty sound advice to people, and uh, they, that might affect some of their later decisions. You never know. Yeah, tenderly guaranteeing at least one orgasm. That yeah. kind of advice. My, my, yeah. <laughs> my sex life wouldn't be the same without him, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when he when he tells Dawn that Tim's moved on, you know, that certainly makes a thing, doesn't it? That's true. He is certainly yeah. a catalyst for. Uh, yeah, no, you're right. That. Actually, thinking about it. I suppose I'm, but when I say that, I suppose I'm comparing him to Finchie because Finchie's obviously so pivotal and, and screws Brent over so many times. Whereas I guess Finchie, yeah, Keith is more sort of supportive and, like you say, he helps people along the way. I mean, that that scene with Dawn, he's quite cutting with Dawn actually. Now that I think back <laughs> on it, I don't know if you've heard the gossip, but Tim's going out with Rachel. Yeah, 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 I'd, I'd heard. Yeah, because yeah, uh, he used to fancy you, didn't he? Oh, did he? But... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he did, and now he's found someone better. Yeah, he's, he can. Yeah, he's got a bit of a bit of a nasty streak. Of well, I remember we had this discussion on the podcast whether he was being deliberately nasty or whether he's just completely ignorant of everyone else's uh, thoughts. No, actually, I mean, I think you probably these days you'd probably say on the spectrum, wouldn't you? Mm. <laughs> yeah, okay. well, speak, yeah, yeah, it's just speaks his mind. Yeah. He doesn't, he's not very good in, you know, social situations, so he just says what he thinks. Yeah. Yeah. That big case, he's grotesque. So what kind of stuff were you doing before The Office, then? Doing, um, mainly sketch, sketch stuff, uh, mainly live sketch stuff. I've done a TV uh, sketch show called Comedy Nation. Okay. Uh, I've written a, a sort of a pilot sitcom, which was, uh, went out Comedy Lab, back when Channel 4 did that. So I was basically with three other guys. Jamie was one of them, and oh, that's we sort of put on uh, on sketch shows and stuff like that. So uh, we were in a, we were in a group called Naval Gazing, and uh, yeah, we, we we sort of met up in Edinburgh and um, sort of wrote together as a sketch troupe and came down to London when we got an agent and just started auditioning for stuff and writing stuff. So yeah, started like that really. So were you and Jamie cast on the show together? Uh. <clears throat> Not together, no. We we were we were just two of the people that the other two the other two guys had been in other comedy shows on TV, and one of the things that Rachel Breck, uh, the casting director, was told was to get actors that who weren't known because this, at this point they still wanted people to shoot in and think it was a documentary. Yes, of course. Yeah, so they wanted sense. people whose faces hadn't been on TV before, so they didn't want people shooting in and go, "Oh, look, it's that guy off." Uh, Harry Enfield, or oh look, it's that guy, or you know some other shows. They wanted, uh, they didn't want to risk that. They wanted as many of the people to be non-known faces. So, because Jamie and I got lucky because we hadn't been in any of the other, anything else yet. 
but the other two guys had already been in a couple of comedy shows like Mr. Charity or something. And, mm. uh, another one I can't remember, but yeah, so that's how it happened. And do you remember what the uh, audition process was like? You said you said you kind of turned up turned up on set on the first yeah. day and you didn't really know much about it. But was there like a formal audition process or? Not for us, no. There was, and I know there was for the uh, for the other for the main characters because I was sort of that's quite a good friend still with uh, with Joel who played Lee. Okay, and, yeah. And uh, we did an interview together, and he was talking. So he was talking about his audition process, and he said, so "I didn't go through this at all." He said for him it was more of a chat in character. So he went in apparently and started talking to Corinthians about some secondhand car he bought or something. And they just sort of got a chat with him in character and that's how he kind of got, in, got involved with it. So they did have a sort of a, a bit of a script for auditions, but they also kind of just wanted to talk to the people as their character. So that's what that was Joel's take, not mine, because I didn't, uh, like I said, I didn't do an audition, I just turned up to be an office worker. So you managed to get onto this show with like this kind of great iconic character, yeah. and you didn't—you didn't even have to audition, which must have been an actor's dream, I guess. Yeah, I know, and um, it's funny because uh, how funny how these things work. Because years later, somebody there was another comedy group, a, a duo. I'm not going to name them, but uh, one of them was kind of a very skinny guy, and one of them was a sort of biggish guy, my sort of size. And uh, I became sort of vaguely friends with a skinny guy, and he said that. This other guy was like furious with me because he thought I needed yeah. his part. <laughs> and I was thinking, he does know that there was that was never an option. You know, he, that part didn't exist until I was there. So yeah, it's like weird how these things work. You say that you hadn't really given any thought to what um, Keith might be doing now, now that the cameras have stopped rolling. It don't know wasn't an option. <laughs> what would you say? <laughs> but, but you get that all the time. Yeah. But when you were uh, when you were um, when you first started on the show and you were kind of like coming up with your angle on the character, did the way that Keith came out on the show and, and the character that you ended up um, portraying, is that something that you kind of came up with yourself? Did it come out, was it on the page that Steve and um, Ricky wrote or was that something you came up with with them? Well, no, I mean, the, the, the line, all the lines I said in, in the first series, not that there were many, were just were written for just general office worker. Mm. So, oh, okay. You know, the characters didn't didn't exist uh, on the page in the first series. So all I was doing was was saying lines that had been written for any for any sort of office worker, but they were giving them to me. And then obviously that turned in the second series. They wrote they actually wrote the lines for me. So in the first series, I didn't really have anything to go on. It was just a uh, just a reaction, really, just a sort of a. An attempt to do something a bit different, I guess. Do you, Do you remember what the genesis of, of, of playing the character in that way I, that way was? Well, I, I remember that. Uh, I'll tell you exactly what it was. Uh, and it was. Um, so I didn't know anything about the office when I turned up on set. Yeah. Because all the support, all the supporting cast were just actors. Yeah. Because they, they wanted actors instead of extras. Because there were these lines in the script that they just wanted to say, "Oh, can you do this line? Because you're in the right place to say it for that character." So they wanted actors instead of extras, so that there are people who could who could actually do the lines that were just written for office worker. Yeah. So I turned up on day one, and I didn't know anything. I hadn't read the scripts or anything. Just turned up. All I knew was it was a, a mockumentary, comedy mockumentary. So I just thought my my kind of touchstone for that is the Spinal Tap. Of course, yeah. So I thought I thought just uh, just sit and look vacant and chew gum like Nigel Tufnell <laughs> and uh, see what happens. And that's how it happened. And the rest is history. 
Oh, okay, interesting. So you weren't drawing on like a comedy character that you had created in the past or anything like that? No, not at all. Not at all. I was just uh, trying to blend in, uh, but look at but maybe behave a bit differently to, to everyone else by mm. doing that kind of vacant night or stuff and sort of just sit. Okay. Gum and just sort of stare. There's a story that Gervais and Merchant tell on the um, on the audio commentary on the audio commentaries where they said that the 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 time that they realised the comedy potential of Keith was when you did the uh, the famous answer phone message on, oh, yeah. the, uh, on, the, on the training episode. Hello, you're through to Keith. I will be at training all day today. Please call me or leave a message and I will call you tomorrow. Yeah, I guess so, because they those sort of times, those, that just came from what we do in, in, a, in a typical day of filming. We'd, we'd film all the scenes that were, were meant to be done that day. And at the end of the day, they do what they call GVs, uh, which is where you just go around with the camera and just get just stuff that you can have in between scenes. So okay. just a shot of someone just sat on the phone or a shot of someone typing or a shot of somebody whispering to someone else. And occasionally Steve would go, okay, uh, Jamie, uh, you know, type something into your computer. Uh, Emma, uh, hand a bit of paper over to Jane. You know, Ewan, uh, pick up the phone and, and record a message for somebody. So it just literally came from those shots at the end of the day, that, that bit. Do you have any idea at the time how big of a, sort of, almost like a, a, a character setting, career making line that would be? No, it was all just, uh, just felt normal at the time. It didn't, it was, you know, people were kind of laughing. It was a good atmosphere. <laughs> people were just laughing generally at that stuff. So uh, it was just a sort of fun little thing we, we were doing out in Teddington. Yeah. Nobody ever, ever thought, uh, it would turn into some kind of big phenomenon, really. And, and did Ricky or Steve kind of give you any indication that they were going to kind of bump up the character a bit as the as the show went on, or did you just get the yeah, scripts? Yeah, Ricky would all, Ricky would always be coming over to me. But if, if I was a bit, if I was doing a bit, and he, we'd have a little kind of shtick where he'd come to me and he'd go, "Okay, you and go, you need to go deep." Okay, oh. right, sure, yeah. <laughs> I want you to go. You got to go like deep, you know, properly deep for this bit. <laughs> you know, he just standing me and just Sounds me gay at the minute. <laughs> <laughs> just get me doing that and he do that back to me, just do the, the, the eyes closed and the nod and the Oh excellent. Oh yeah, yeah. Cause, cause he so a... he he would he would come and he was coming like pep talk me before each bit. Uh when, when I was doing something. So yeah, it was it was definitely a kind of a funny sort of relationship there. And was that something something he was doing with all the extras? Was he doing that with like Jamie, for example, or were you a bit of a uh a, a Ricky's favourite? Huh. Well, he did it with me because it was because it was just kind of he had you know he had little bits of banter with everyone, little in jokes with everyone, I guess. But that was my kind of thing that he'd do. You definitely get I the impression. He just, found it, he just found me just doing that. I think they just, they weren't sure about, about if I was like that or if that was a performance. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So was, they were just they just sort of enjoyed watching me, and he thought it was, he kept he always thought to me about being blue. <laughs> we had a running joke. We had a running joke that we were going to do a Christmas uh, comedy, comedy relief Christmas single of King of the Swingers <laughs> with him as uh, you know, with him as the what's his face, the King Louis, King Louis. the uh, yeah, and me as Baloo. Oh, that would be brilliant. And, uh, Let's get the old band back together. And, he, he, and he'd, end the, he'd end the song with, Cow, "What are you doing, kid? Get back to the office." <laughs> <laughs> it does so always look while, like for, for a while he'd always call me Baloo. <laughs> it does always look like such a really fun environment to work in though you know whenever we look we see the bloopers and that's probably as close as most of us get but 
there always seems to be so many instances where everybody just peels away laughing. The one in particular when you're doing the appraisal, and yeah. I remember there's, I'm, I'm sure there was a, like something drawn on the piece of paper or something. Like a cock or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what was that all about? Do you remember that? Yeah, he do that. He just he draw um, draw things to make to try and put you off. When the, when, <laughs> so when the so when the shot of the camera was uh, over my shoulder to him, it'd be fine. He'd be doing his thing. But when the camera went back over his shoulder, he'd be trying to. Put, so he wasn't in shot. I was. Yeah. He and he did this with everyone. He would like do, but whatever. So he drew. He mainly draw like felt like tits and cocks and panties <laughs> on, on on paper and um, slowly point to the point of view. And he did a. For me, at one point, during the appraisal, he drew a little face on his thumb, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and as he was doing it, I would see his thumb come up like that. Go, oh, how old you are! And I go, and you know, you just uh, occasionally. I mean, it was hard enough anyway without all this uh, nonsense, kind of getting those lines out. So uh, it did mean with that we had a, we had some uh, longish days. Do you feel you are given the flexibility to decide how best to accomplish your goals? Do you want the options again? Yeah. Not at all. To some extent, always the same. Very much so. Don't, don't know. know. If don't know wasn't there, what would you put? Well, the options. Not at all. To some extent, very much so. Don't know. Very much so. Do you remember what the question was? No. Okay. Do you, let's, we're gonna leave that there. Well, I was going to say, how long, like, for example, that appraisal scene, how long did that take to film? Because watching, watching the bloopers, and like, for example, another example is the scene between uh, uh, Ricky and, uh, Martin. and Martin Freeman, yeah, yeah, where they do like, I don't know, 40 takes or something. When you did that appraisal scene, how long did it take you to film? I can't, I mean, I can't remember, but I'd imagine it would probably took about, I mean, it takes time to set up a scene anyway and get everything, get the lights right and get all the cameras right, but... <laughs> There for a good hour or so. Yeah. Ewan, so you, you obviously did work before The Office, um, bits and pieces like, like that, but when you were doing this uh, first series, presumably no one knew how big this could become. And the fact that Ricky and is just having a bit of a laugh, trying to wind everybody up and, you know, not every, not wind them up, but trying to put people off and stuff. Did you ever have a moment thinking, what is the what are these guys doing? Is this really going to take off or are these guys just having a laugh at the licensed payers' expense? <laughs> <laughs> Our opinion is they're having a laugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did, did you um, have any inclination as to sort of how big it could become? You know, can you feel it when you're doing a scene that this is this is going to be the one? No, but because I hadn't, um, 
it was my first experience of, of like being a regular on a show like that. Oh, okay. And I just thought maybe, you know, all shows are like this when they're being made. And then something goes wrong or between the filming and the getting it off the page and getting it edited and onto a TV screen. I thought maybe that's just part of the process that all shows are like this to make. So that was, because it was my first experience, I didn't have anything to compare it to. Okay. So I didn't know that it was going to be a big hit at all. I mean, the other thing is this, when The Office broke and it had a bit of a cult following to begin with and it sort of really started to pick up steam in series two, do you remember the sort of the whirlwind of publicity that came with it and sort of being recognised from everybody and, and what, what was that like? No, because it was all gradual. It was all gradual. It was a really slow process. It was never a moment where it was kind of suddenly everyone was talking about it. Oh, okay. it, it, happened, it didn't even get, I didn't think it recognised at all, I don't think, until the first day it was repeated and that's when, the, that's when suddenly everyone started watching it. Bloody repeat. So it was, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, so it was a really slow process. It wasn't one of these sort of X Factor contestants where one minute no one suddenly, it's like it was just happening very slowly. On the podcast, we had this discussion about whether the plane flying across the window in the training day episode oh, yeah. is metaphorical for Tim's. Uh, Tim's internal feelings of kind of wanting to wanting to branch out and wanting to kind of get away from the office, and we took that question to our Facebook page, and you, Ewan, said that actually, um, it must have just been a coincidence because we uh, the show didn't even film in Slough; it wasn't anywhere near an airport, so it wasn't deliberate. Forget about the airport; there was a plane. <laughs> I didn't realise that the film oh. the, the show didn't even film in Slough. So was it was it on a studio or was it actually in an office block? It was in a, a block that we used to be admin building for tenant studios. Yeah. And it, they, they were out of use. And so they were able to go in and gut it and rebuild it to look well how they wanted it to. And that block, I've been told, has now been demolished. Oh, yeah. It was Bit of TV history gone. Yeah, it is there's, in a way, yeah. and, the, and the roundabout's gone from Slough. It's a shame we could have done like a great secret cinema there, like you <laughs> yeah, know, you recreate know. the office. Yeah. It's been amazing. <laughs> but that's really interesting, though, that despite how just kind of like almost like imposingly mundane that office looks, it was very deliberately chosen. You said that they gutted the whole thing and, and deliberately built the office, the interior. Oh yeah, of the it was office built by a production designer would have would have constructed that. Uh, and, you know, when we, at the last day of filming off the specials, they basically were tearing it down as we were leaving and people were grabbing oh, dude. bits <laughs> of props and, you know, business cards and, you know, they said, take take a couple of things, but not this or not that. Yeah, so yeah. people were taking bits Something of I can reorder. Did you manage to grab something for yourself, Ewan? I think I, I took a couple of, like, I took a few of them. I don't have them anymore. I've run out now, but I took a whole load of those sort of the wood and hog business cards. Oh, nice. Okay. And I used to, like, give them out to people who uh, would come and ask for it didn't recognise you. <laughs> you and I've got a question. So, so I ran out years ago. You and I've got a question, right? So in the um, quiz episode, we talked a lot about how they're all there downstairs in a pub. And in the end, they threw this kettle over the pub. Or the, no, it was through Tim's shoe over the pub. And we couldn't agree whether or not it was like a separate venue or the office. Was there like a built-in sort of working man's club in the estate as well? Uh, no, but they, again, they took an old, they, they built that from an old, uh, from an old, like, from the inside shots, they built it from an old, just a room in that, in that block. Right. Uh, for the outside, the outside shots were all filmed later on. So once we'd done all the inside shots, the outside shots were all done all around uh, that bit of London. Um, 
but out so they would have just gone to a pub or gone somewhere else and, and used that as the outside so the outside uh, was somewhere completely different to the inside okay that makes sense i guess you have to put the wedding block oh, word and hog sign on the door but yeah that, that's cool because yeah, that, that was a source of a bit of an argument. But you're actually solving quite a few arguments here. Uh, it's probably <laughs> worth mentioning. <laughs> Should have got you on earlier. Yeah, absolutely. Should have got you on first episode. Yeah, Seth, yeah. Everything. Seth might still be here if we had it. <laughs> <laughs> that was the real quiz. <laughs> <laughs> One question I've always had, and this is ever since I started watching it, and I think a lot of people have this question as well, is how much of the show was improvised? Mm. Because James has got, and I used to have them as well, but when we started this podcast, James got um, ordered online the, uh, the script books which I think are actually just word-for-word transcripts of what appears yes, in the show. Are, the I don't think script. they're what would have appeared in, in the scripts that you got. But, yeah, how, how, much, of, how much of the show was, in, was improvised? How much of it was scripted? How much leeway were you guys given? Because the acting just seems so natural. Like mm. You could think it was a documentary. I would say, uh, in, terms of, in terms of everyone except uh, Ricky, I would say 99% scripted, especially by Series 2. There was oh, wow. hardly any improv. Okay. I had one bit of improv where where Gareth, uh, or I'm in with Gareth, and he's interrogating me. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yes, and yeah. that was just, uh, that wasn't scripted. That was just, uh, just do something. That was fantastic, uh, that scene. Do you know who done the picture? Yeah. No, I mean, no. Right. Your first answer was yeah, wasn't it? I meant, I meant no. Well, why did you get... I, uh... Don't know. Um, am I making you nervous? No, no. I mean, yeah. As far as, as far as everyone, as far as almost everyone was was concerned, it was hundred percent scripted. The only person who was different was Ricky, who, as you probably seen in some of the outtakes, he uh, would just flip things around just to try and make people laugh. <laughs> so the whole thing with with Nobby Burton ties, you know, to oh, the channel or that. whatever. You saw, if you see the outtakes, like he, he actually does about four or five different versions of that. <laughs> I've um, seen that. Uh, and uh, just to try and put um, Sterling off, basically, yeah, try and yeah. make her laugh. So um, he would he would would uh, improvise a little bit round the round the lines, but everyone else was pretty much uh, off grits. Mm. But it is it is incredible just how natural the acting is on the show compared to pretty much. I mean, all the all the mockumentary um, kind of like wannabes and ripoffs that came after the office, mm. they couldn't quite nail it quite right. But you saying, but, but you're the saying. Script, that, I think I think the scripts were so well written that yeah. that was half the job done as an actor. When the scripts were that well written, that sound that natural, it's just kind of a joy to just be able to be able to use them really. So I think the scripts helped massively. And was there anything in terms of creating that? Was there anything particular that Ricky and Steve did as directors to get those kinds of performances out, or was it just down to who they cast and, how, and what they wrote? Yeah, it was. Uh, I think within a few days, everyone was pretty much knew what sort of what they were going for and what atmosphere they were trying to create um especially you know in the group scenes where it just felt sometimes as the same with people a lot of people watching it sometimes it, looked, it was like it was so cringy what the, the, the brand stuff that you just kind of you know <clears throat> you just couldn't almost couldn't bear it when, when, when you started doing the show and you started to kind of realize the vibe of the show and the atmosphere and that kind of cringe humor was there any sense of like um people kind of not being quite on board or having to kind of get used to it because obviously the office kind of like certainly if it didn't kind of create that kind of humor it certainly kind of revived it after you know spinal tap 20 years before so was there a sense at the beginning of the show of people kind of having to kind of get on board with that kind of humor and kind of get their heads around it at all definitely because i know there were at least uh, three people who were in series one who weren't in series two 
and that was their choice, not Ricky and Steve's choice. Ah, that's uh, interesting. They said they just before. I don't want to name names. Yeah, well, I think I we can watch the show. There were, there were <laughs> a couple of people who, who didn't really like what they were doing. Yeah. Who uh, thought it was a, you know, thought it was silly, childish humour, uh, and maybe who thought they weren't being, they weren't in, in it as much as they were told. Was that uh, they would be? And uh, they they didn't come back, and that was, you know, they didn't like it, and that was their choice. So. Some people left it, didn't like it, you know, that, that was in the front of the oh, yeah. house, you know, he left it, didn't like it, it's choice. <laughs> Up to him. Uh, it wasn't everyone's, wasn't everyone's cup of tea, and I think that's still the case, you know. Yeah, definitely. People, yeah. Some people don't like it, some people like it, Sweet and you have to make the choice if you were going to get on board or not, I guess. Yeah, it's quite polarising, isn't it? Oh, yeah, what do you think of the American office? I never watched it, actually. Oh, really? I watched, some, I watched uh, some of the first office, uh, first episode, and it just felt... Oh too man, weird. you got to cut. Yeah, don't. It, it, it gets a lot better. My advice would be don't watch the first series at all because it's just a carbon copy of the UK one. If you jump straight to series two, it's a fresh yeah. show. It's got yeah. its own unique feel to it and its own flavour. So it's definitely not worth bothering with the first series. So good advice. To by, the, by the time, by the time people told me that, you know, they've, they've made about five thousand episodes. Yeah, so man. It felt like a bit daunting to kind of jump in. There's like two hundred um, and something episodes. It's ludicrous. Yeah. I would have thought you'd enough stuff to watch. I would have thought you'd at least be interested in uh, watching it and seeing how there's an actor who's pretty much taken the key character, ripped off your uh, mm-hmm. your development of a character, and kind of you know making those uh, US network. Well, no, not just one. <laughs> there's there's a Keith in every um, remake, obviously now, because you know what I mean. Well, if yeah, you think yeah. about it like that, considering that actually you, you had made you had made the character. I tried to, so hard to get Ricky to let me play that uh, the American one. Oh really? When we were doing when we were doing the Christmas specials, that was all in pre-production. Yeah. Uh, And uh, Ricky and Steve obviously were executive producers, and um, I tried so hard, and I thought at one moment I thought he might almost that I could go and do that, but uh, yeah, it didn't happen. Yeah. It would have been an interesting crossover, wouldn't it? Because it would have then meant that they're in the same universe, I guess. But then they do anyway because that was the problem. Yeah. Did, Did you ever? Did you ever even get an audition, or did it not go that far? No, 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 not at all, not at all. What about, they all what about in, in, in the wake of the show's success in America? Did you ever kind of get any of uh, Hollywood auditions then or kind of any done network TV auditions or anything like that? No, I didn't. I think that you have to really, that's a decision you have to make. Uh, as, as an actor, you have to go over there. And I never, did, I never kind of went over looking for work. Oh, okay, so yeah. That's, you, have, you have to either do that or not, or don't do it. And it's kind of a tough, you know, soggy, it's a... Much tougher out there, I think, than it is here for actors. I always feel like that when I because English actors for such a small country, we all seem to do. I think we, you guys, always seem to do quite well. Do you know what I mean? Between the Game of Thrones type shows and lo- everybody wants English people cast in these roles. It's almost as if we speak the same language as America. <laughs> <laughs> so, you, you um, do you have a favourite scene from The Office that you, you really enjoyed working on? Um, probably. Uh... Even though I'm not really doing, even though I don't do anything in it, my favourite scene is probably the uh, the introductory speech Gwen does uh, when the Swindon lot join. Yeah, same thing. The whole, um, <laughs> the whole uh, you know, Eric Hitchman basically. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't agree with in the workplace. <laughs> <laughs> I think that is generally considered one of the yeah one of the classic scenes. Generally considered the best. That's <laughs> <laughs> Danny's favourite. He yeah, absolutely yeah. loves that one. Do you remember um, when that scene was filmed? That must have been pretty hard to get through. Was is someone just kind of sitting there watching? You, you must have been cracking up when you were doing that scene. Yeah, it was. It was, it was um, almost impossible to get 
to the end of the take without everyone laughing. When everyone's there, yeah. I think they eventually did. They eventually had to get everyone out of the room for some of it. Oh, really? Oh, really? So it was just the, just the people at the front. Yeah, because it was just someone would go every time. <laughs> so eventually they had to clear the room and like just shoot them without us in shot so they could get them to do it uh, all the way through. Oh, God. Um, but yeah, the moment where he almost takes Gareth's head off with the, with the kind of the wall was just brilliant because they, they kind of, <laughs> yeah. that was actually quite, they actually choreographed that. You know, that wasn't just one of those, it looked so natural. Yeah. But they actually had to, they actually, they actually rehearsed that and timed it so that it would work like that. So <laughs> the fact that, you know, the fact that that, when that works, everyone was just like, yes. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, I have suspected before, actually, when, like you said about how it had to like take people out of a room and just film Ricky on his own, essentially. There is scenes when when you during outside as well. When you watch when you watch the show and analyze it as kind of closely as we have for the past, you know, six months or whatever, you know, you notice when there is bits where it kind of just it, it, the scene will kind of end up on a close up of Ricky or, yeah. or another character rather than a wide shot, which is started out on, and you do wonder whether or not it's just because they had to clear everyone out and just have Ricky do it on his own. Because he couldn't help laughing. Yeah, that that happened. That did happen occasionally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Have you got a particular favourite um, scene you remember filming that you were involved in? Um. Yeah, I think weirdly probably uh, probably the one in the in the pub. I think. Oh yeah, when, when you're the eating pie. pie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all right. <laughs> the best people in come. That was one where where yeah again. Ricky just couldn't. We have to. Do, that's not on the outtakes, but we have to do a lot of takes of that because he couldn't. He couldn't. When I was, he just couldn't get past the bit where I would take up that last mouthful. He <laughs> uh, would just go every time on that bit. Uh, so that was definitely. I enjoyed doing that. That was fun. Yeah, that was a nice little little break from the side of the office. Good. It's all right. So. Um... You know, one of the things we talk about in our um, podcast is the idea that David Brent was actually stitched up in the editing of by the BBC because that's one of that's his cry uh, in the beginning of the Christmas special, and yeah. we sort of spent, as Jack said, a lot of time looking at it and talking about it, and we kind of sort of tried to spot some of these sort of clues that go on throughout the show that actually Brent is quite a good boss. I'm thinking about things like actually being offered the job by. Um, the board about you know there are a couple of instances where he tells a joke and everybody laughs and yet he's being portrayed as quite a bad boss so we would sort of have a feature on our podcast called Stitch Up Corner and, and trying to sort of think through whether or not he is being stitched up do you have any thoughts on that or have you ever sort of heard that theory before I think I've seen it probably on your page uh, before oh, okay. on uh, Facebook I think you put it up there yeah oh, okay uh, I, I, I think you know I think you're kind of you're stretching a little bit there Stretching a little bit to, to look for that. I think I don't think it's it was that intentional at the time, but maybe I'm wrong. Well, it's funny because we've, I mean, we've spoken about it so much, and we thought we talked about it so much. I think to be fair, we've kind of ended up thinking that you know plonkers can get stitched up as well, kind of thing. <laughs> so uh, I think I, mean, that... I know I know I know it was never discussed. It was never discussed while we were making it that this was an issue. I don't think they thought about it. Yeah, so like the whole just the whole people laughing uh it works with the turtle was just just to try and get into the scene basically just to try a way of getting into that scene quickly uh we th there was never a suggestion that no one ever stopped and think wait a minute why are we laughing at david brent here yeah, yeah. we always find him find him horrendous do you remember what it did just, work it was with just the a turtle? way into the scene really do you remember what did work with the turtle what was that joke what was the anecdote 
Oh, there was no, uh, there was, there was no set up. He went straight. Yeah, he literally, just went straight in the moment. <laughs> Brilliant. And, <laughs> and, he, and he probably said, "I'm imagining because we probably did it a few times. I imagine every other time he said something different." All oh, right. Okay. <laughs> so he just say it was just literally a random collection of words to end the joke. We laughed and we're into the scene. Yeah. Yeah. He probably said he probably said a different thing every time, and it just happened that the version that got used was it worked for the turtle. Uh, but it's funny that yeah, if if on all the other takes you yeah you were kind of like. Uh, encouraged to laugh at the joke though whereas later on and that was episode one I think and later on in the show yeah, episode two, two, episode two. Donna's there. but it was early on in the show wasn't it yeah, yeah, and later on in the show obviously kind of you would probably I imagine you probably would have been directed not to laugh at Brent if he was making the joke so it's funny how but kind it, of the character yeah, it, the, that wasn't the, okay, the reason that we, we laugh was for the rhythm of the scene yeah I mean, the, scene, the scene starts if the scene had started with him making a joke and everyone blanking it then he wouldn't have been so e- it wouldn't have been so easy for him to just go into kind of being upbeat and everything. That's true. And it would have slowed. It would have killed the scene. It would have it was starting slowly. Yeah, that's yeah. really true. Uh, and so it would the rhythm the, the, the rhythm that seemed to work had to start with that. Oh yeah, ha 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 ha. Okay, and now we're da, 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 da. yeah. yeah that makes sense. With, it started with the turtle. Oh right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So it was for the, it was for the basically for the rhythm of the scene to work. Bit of a, a laugh and then we're off. So I think that was, for me, as far as I'm aware, that's what it was. It wasn't, we weren't told, guys, we're laughing at Brent here because uh, we're, we're being stitched up or anything like that. So it sounds like in, in a, you're trying to, in a very polite way, tell us that we're way overthinking well, it. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, you're overthinking I think, I think as fans, we've got the right to back rationalise to our heart's content. Well, the, no, the interesting thing is, though, that, that, that that's become almost the, the flagship for the whole theory about whether he was stitched up or not. And actually, it's so innocuous. It's just, as you say, a way of kick-starting that scene. Yeah. But it just, yeah. I suppose, goes to show how fans will just try and will see anything in anything. Do you know what I mean? If it's sort of... I don't know. Yeah, I guess yeah, we yeah. love it. I, I, Sorry, go on. I don't think it's a bad thing. I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's fun. I think you should, people should be doing that. And that's kind of part and parcel of, uh, of why a show works, because it can work on more than one level. Uh, and the fact that it's happened like that even if it isn't intentional, I still think it's a great idea. And, you know, once art has been written and released or filmed and released, then it, it's out of everyone's hands. You, know, you, can, you, can, you can interpret it however you like and no one can stop you. So I don't think there's a problem with it. There is no right or wrong answer and they tell me the right answer anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you and, or you will tell us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Speak, speaking of overthinking things, when you were... Um, at the beginning of the show, when you were kind of developing the character, did you ever give any thought to what Keith's kind of life off camera would be like? I mean, I know, I know you said you have, you didn't really think about, you haven't thought about what his life's been like since the show finished. But when you were portraying the character, did you ever think to yourself, right, let's do a bit of kind of role playing here? You know, what what's his social life like? What's mm. he like at home? Is he married? Blah blah blah. Did you ever think about any of those things? No, I think because I I kind of came from a comedy background, not really. I didn't go to drama school or anything like that. Yeah. So I didn't come from a, from an acting or dramatic background. So for me, that that isn't a way I sort of go about doing characters. I'm I'm using a script uh, to get there rather than trying to build a character from scratch and working out you know what he would wear and how he would walk and what his home life would be. So mm. I, that wasn't really in my thinking at all. I, I mean, I think Ricky McCage joke that he that he lived at home with his mum, but. That's really about as far as it got. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> Our neighbour Kelvin lives with his parents, he's 32, Ooh. so, you know, he's not as bad as him. That's a bit of a scoop, though. So Ricky thinks that he maybe lived with his, at home with his mum. Yeah, that's a scoop. Yeah, well, that's bad, of course. <laughs> well, that's Tim, our exclusive. He's not, he's not maybe probably as old as Tim, and Tim does. 
Yeah. Seems like as old as Kelvin, so you know. I don't know. Actually, yeah, you and how old were you when you when you were in the um, first series? The first series, I would have been. Let me see. Yeah, maybe we're going back a bit. I'd have been 27, 28. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It seems supposed to be 30, so. Yeah. So it's an interesting one because this one of the things the show deals with really well. We thought is kind of the sort of late twenties, early thirties sort of stasis that character mm-hmm. people find themselves in, especially when they work in sort of boring offices and stuff. And we think the show deals with that really well. Um, so I don't know. Did you do you get did you get the impression that you were doing something more than a comedy when you were doing it? Not at all. It fell. Again, maybe we're just digging into stuff because we you know, <laughs> so find it so interesting. It was uh, it was just as far as I'm. As far as I felt, and as far as I know, as far, the way everyone felt was it was just uh, literally a half-hour sitcom. Yeah. Maybe we're going too much into it. That was uh, that was as far as it went. But then once it once it was cut together and edited together, <coughs> and, and on television, and you and, and you watched it through, then the, the whole series through, did you kind of feel like it actually was something more than just a half-hour sitcom? Did it feel different to the show that you were doing when you were in on the set filming it? I think by the end of series two it did. Mm, yeah. By the end of series two it did. Series one it felt very much because there were so many shows like that around. That was why that was one of the reasons for doing it. There was just the those sort of shows were just everywhere. You know, airports and hotels and you know couples who worked in business together. And there was just a whole space of them. Mm. And so it felt it did really feel like it's just a pastiche of these shows, but it's got kind of something edgier, something funnier about it as well. Yeah. Um, it wasn't until the series two when the sort of story arc started uh, filling out a bit that it felt something, you know, something a bit more, a bit more special. Mm. I think you're probably right there. Yeah, because I mean, series two deals with kind of the uh, the Brent's kind of like downfall and his antagonism with Neil and kind of his his demons as well, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. One of the things that we we talked about in our in the podcast was because we all have different opinions on who some of our favourite characters are and who's a main character and who's a side character. But Neil kind of unlocks David Brent in many ways from our perspective. So he sort of, he turns him from this sort of buffoon into the underdog and, and it sort of really gives us that newfound empathy for the character. Um, did you find that there was a different, like a shift in the dynamic of, of the way that it was, it was being filmed when suddenly Ricky wasn't leading the charge with some of the um, jokes as his character, but actually he was being more, uh, what's the word, more sort of downtrodden and, and, and almost more drama. I felt it when I, I felt it when I saw it. I didn't feel it so much when we were filming it because it was um, because it happened because it was quite subtle and because there weren't that many scenes with Neil where we, we a lot of it was happening out of our sight. Right. A lot of the scenes between Neil and David obviously we we couldn't see them being filmed because they were in a, in the, one of the other rooms. Um, and because I think again, because Patrick is so different to Neil, <coughs> it was kind of it was more. It was like, oh, there's was a lot of fun having Patrick around. Mm. Uh, but Neil was obviously different, and the dynamic was different. Um, so I didn't really appreciate that until I watched series two. Yeah, I didn't really get that when we were making it. Um, but yeah, definitely it changed the, the change the dynamics totally of, of, of Brent and his relationship with it. You know, being undermined and having to try and big himself up to everyone and, and just a lot, a lot more desperate than he was before. Yeah. So definitely, yeah, that definitely uh, changed the dynamic of Brent. What was it like coming back and filming the Christmas specials? Did you think they would ever carry it on after Series 2? No, we didn't. We, it, was, it was just a nice bonus, really. We thought after Series 2, we were told we were told that would be it. 
Yeah, as far as we were aware, as far as the cars, as far as the cars were told, we we got that bit. <coughs> See you guys. We had a big. We all went down the pub and had a bit of a drink. Thanks for all the laughs. Uh, goodbye. And we, as far as we knew, that was it. So the Christmas specials was like a really a bonus for us mm. and us. To be fair, yeah. And we we we've spoken on the podcast about how kind of like iconic and kind of like really kind of touching and, and special that final scene between uh, Tim and Dawn is when they kiss. You were there in the room when they filmed that. Did you feel kind of like there was a bit of electricity in the air? Did you feel like it was kind of an iconic TV moment while you were doing it? Yeah, I think, yeah. I mean, I was uh, having to try and uh, sort of act at the same time. You know, I was sort of DJing. Uh, but there was definitely a feeling that, that it was uh, the people who were kind of watching from the side were, were getting a bit teary-eyed, I think, when people were watching on the monitor. So it definitely felt uh, felt pretty special. Mm. And do you think um, that later on, um, Tim tenderly explained to Dawn he was going to give her one orgasm. All right, Danny, don't get caught. <laughs> don't get caught. <laughs> Tim gets turned on by what he hears. Yeah. Oh no, wrong around. gets turned on by what Tim gets turned on by what he sees, and Dawn gets turned on by what she hears. <laughs> Learn L- that. Lucky for Tim, all what I like. <laughs> Yeah, I've got a question. Is there any characters in the office that you would have liked to have had the opportunity to play, other than Keith? Uh, no, I don't think so. I don't think I'd have. I don't think I'd have brought anything like where everyone else brought to their characters. I think that's why it was so good. Okay. You don't think you could have played Mar- uh, Sorry, uh, Tim at the time, for example. No, I don't think so. I think that I don't think that's kind of really in my repertoire to do that sort of everyman role. It's just. That's, that's not how these things work, I don't think. Uh, well, you could have been in The Hobbit by now if you had, maybe. <laughs> I know, yeah. <laughs> you could, yeah, you could be an Avenger. Yeah. But when um, Ricky and Steve always say that when they first thought of Gareth, they thought of like a bigger guy, not just yeah, not like a kind of weaselly kind of skinny guy. You could have played Gareth as well. <laughs> yeah, again, I don't think... I think that was just... Mackenzie just was so good. Though, oh, he really was. Yeah, it is, it's one of those things that watching it back, you do kind of think, when when I heard that they were thinking of an actual kind of built, big, bulky kind of TA kind of guy, yeah. you do think, what were they thinking? How, how did they think that the character would have worked like that? It would have been way too aggressive and intimidating. I know, I know. It's, it's weird, isn't it? It's weird, like all these things, you know, like Tom Selleck being Indiana Jones. Yes, exactly. Yeah, about, you think, how would that ever work? <laughs> yeah, but exactly. That's just how these things happen. Yeah, no, it's true. It's, it's different, isn't it? I suppose, we don't really have an appreciation, well, I certainly don't, for the process of taking something from written words on a page to actually pr- producing a character and, and stuff like that. So I, it's hard for me to separate the two. When I read the script book, to imagine what it would have been like without the likes of Lucy Davis, Mackenzie Crook and yourself, it, it's yeah. yeah, it's a real, real real art to it, obviously. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's 100% true. And that's why that's why whenever you know people have their favourite version of a play or whatever, it's normally the first the first one you see. Mm. Uh, because that's how then how you remember that's how you visualise the characters uh, yeah, that's why remakes don't so, work mm-hmm. yeah I think it's especially American it, remakes <laughs> so um, what are you up to at the moment then uh, work wise you've got loads on <laughs> um, I've got a new uh, I've got a new film actually coming out uh, soonish called uh, Shed of the Dead okay. Uh, okay. which is a, a sort of a comedy horror film so I'm starting to do a bit of promotional work for that. That's, that's premiering uh, in May. Okay. Uh, and I'm doing. I did a film called The Bromley Boys. Oh yeah, uh, last that. year. And we're we're now getting we're now putting together a sort of a stage version of that, uh, 
that we're going to be doing in Bromley uh, to start with. Uh, again, Simple. that'll be well, that's going to put together at the moment. So that'll be in May as well. So yeah. Nice, that sounds fun. So you're going to be doing the uh, treading the boards again? Playing enough jobs for you? <laughs> yeah, uh, I might be. I might be. It's going to be what? It's going to be sort of uh, one of those multimedia things. So I think we're going to. It's going to involve a screening of the film, but also we'll be some of some of the characters in it. Three of us who are in it are going to be doing a bit of acting around that as well. So cool. a bit of live stuff around that. So it's going to be well, yeah, multimedia type uh, performance. Um, I've got one final question. Have you ever watched Peak Practice and do you like it? Yeah. <laughs> no apologies necessary, let's get on with the quiz. But... Time for the quiz, everyone. Mm. And as this is the special episode of you and Macintosh, all the questions are going to be themed around Keith, oh, okay. the character. Now, it's going to be a total busman's holiday because you does his own quizzes, and <laughs> I'm probably going to embarrass myself here. Completely with yeah. my quiz writing skills, but I'm doing it anyway. I'm putting my head on the block because uh, you guys were too wussy to do it. So, you know, <laughs> wussy. You the can't way, say wussy the way it's going to work is I'm going to do it in turns. So, first okay. question I'll ask James, and if he don't get it, um, it's up for Ewan or Jack. Oh, me, okay. Yeah, we'll start with Why you. Why am I starting first? Ewan's the guest, he should start. Okay, first. question number one is for you, Ewan. You, Ewan. Okay. Okay, Keith's first line. What's said to him and how does he react? What does he say? His first line in the um, whole show. I, I really um, I can't remember. I have no idea. I have no idea. Okay. Over to James. <laughs> Me? I can't Why remember. did James need to go first? Maybe I know. Alphabetical. Uh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That'll be you. Okay, right, in that case, I'll never get to go. <laughs> Look. Yeah. No, hang on. Oh, this, is a, this isn't working. I think... Isn't it, isn't it the interrogation? I think. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I might get the exact wording wrong, but it doesn't. The woman with the glasses says to him, Would you quit? Yeah. And he says, Would you? And he go, and he, he just yeah. nods and goes, Would you? And she goes, Well, I don't know. <laughs> so, yes. So well Jack's done. Correct. One point for Jack. Okay. <laughs> Next question, James. I don't remember that being. What was that? Well, yeah, when the first when the first episode, where they're talking about downsizing, it must have been that's the, the, first, the first time we see Keith. Is when I think it's, it's her name Emma. Yeah. Yeah. She's talking to him about like what are you do if you got made redundant. She goes. So you'd just go, would you? Would you? I don't know. That's Keith's first line. Oh, All right. Okay. It must be one of those. I don't remember that. It must be one of those GTS you were talking about that they did at the end of the day. Uh, yeah. You and. Oh, no, you're not such a bad quiz master after all. <laughs> okay. Next question, oh, James. Yeah. You and. Oh, last orders. Oh. Danny makes this quiz so bloody hard sometimes. It's ludicrous. So don't feel too bad. Okay. If you don't get it. What does David Brent think will be the answer to Rowan's question about his motivation for working here? Is this to James? Oh, to James. Uh, what being part of a team. Being part of a team, he would have thought, yes. yes. <laughs> so he's asked Keith, and he'd very much like him to answer. Okay. <laughs> That's such a great episode. We'll yeah. come back to that, actually. Next question. What does Tim watch the night when Keith watches peak practice? This is to Jack. To Jack, um, yes. Oh, God. What? He doesn't watch anything. He just stays and has a big whack. No, he watched something. Tr- he watched something. Ewan, what was it that he watched? Uh, Top Gear? Nope. James is going to know this. It might have been Top Gear, actually, but what was it he says that he watched? I have no idea. I can't remember that. He says he watched a video. Oh. It could have been anything. Oh, he just watched a video. Okay. Okay. Question number four. Ewan, this is a fairly easy one. So, Ewan, this is to you. Ewan, after you play Spirit in the Sky, what is the next track that he plays as David Brent walks into the room (laughs) to announce his news? What song is playing? 
Um, uh, ooh. I'm struggling on this one as well. Uh, no. Okay. I have to pass on that. You hand it to James. What would you say if pass wasn't an option? <laughs> uh, walking on sunshine. Walking Katrina on sunshine by Katrina in the waves. That's right. Okay. Question number five. So, James, um, what's Keith's first line in series two? Oh, man. These are, I mean... No, it's not. Think about series two. Think about what happens in series two, episode one. Just think through. You'll get to it. It's quite an iconic... <laughs> it's quite an iconic line. You embarrass yourself in front of Dawn. No. Keith. Yeah. Yeah. Keith does say that line. Keith. Keith. What do you mean, Keith? Oh! Because he's introducing himself. Yes. Keith. Oh, yes, Keith. Rachel. Tim. Gareth Keith. Gareth Keith. Keith. Okay, next question for you, Jack. Um, in the Red Nose Day episode, yeah. What is Dawn looking at in her scene with Keith when he's dressed as Ali G? Keith dressed as Ali G. This is too hard, Dan. Dawn is looking at. I mean. The floor? I don't know. I'm... Holiday brochure. Oh. She's going to America. Right, okay. Question number seven, Ewan. In the first episode, when Brent is showing Ricky round, why does he flag Keith up to Ricky? What does he say about him? Oh, um, oh, uh... Does he call him a mentalist? He does. He says he's mental. Don't be fooled by his job description. He's mental, but not literally, of course, because the last place you want someone like that is in the house. (laughs) Okay. Question number eight, James. How does Anne describe Keith? Oh, we all know this. I know one, the main thing. Is that we'd after the main one? Just tell me the thing. Tell me what she'd call describing. Grotesque. Grotesque, yeah. <laughs> Correct. Uh, next question, uh, Jack. Go on. In Keith's Christmas special scene with Tim in the break room, yeah. um, what does Tim speculate that he might do while he's a wooing? It was me worrying the quiz was too easy. It's no, way oh, too hard. No, yeah, yeah. I mean, some of them are easy. No, this is good, though. This is, but, but I'm, I'm trying to think. Okay, right. You've got some extra questions for your quizzes now. Yeah. Did he say... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Does he d- d- does he ask whether he sings them a song? Yes. Yeah. Sings them a song. Right. Okay. Yeah. Last question. In the final scene of Keith, uh, well, possibly not quite final, but um, as he's dancing with Brenda in the wheelchair in the Christmas special, what song is playing? Another music one. I know this one. No. 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 James. Oh. Mary's boy child. Mary's boy yeah. child. Well done, Jack. So it's Ooh, actually so you and me. it's oh. actually a dead heat between Jack and James, and I have not got a tiebreaker. You got, oh, have you got uh, Ewan? Can you think of a tiebreak question for them? Not putting, one, nothing, <laughs> putting you on the spot. Nothing like putting you on the spot. From your quiz, Don't worry, maybe. Don't we'll, worry we'll, about we'll, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got one. Okay, okay, okay right. Okay, right. So whichever one of you gets the answer first, just tap the table. Yeah. You must have prepared that at home. What are the names? What are the names of Donna's parents? Ron and Elaine. 
Oh, we yeah. have to give James it to James. James yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well done, James. James, 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 James Steve Virgin's parents as well. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. We all. Yeah. <laughs> what do I owe you for this session? Thank you so much for joining us, man. You've been a fantastic sport, and I know it's um. We, we actually haven't done any real um, any guests really, so yeah, thank you for putting up with us and uh, being patient with us, sort of fumbling through our questions. But you've been really, really insightful, and yeah, it's no, been great. No worries, guys. Thanks again, man. Really appreciate your time. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Bye, Ian. Bye, Ian. Thanks, Ian. Bye. Bye. Bye, Bye, guys. Bye. Yeah. We're gonna leave that there. <laughs> <laughs> so that about rounds off the special episode. Big thanks to you and uh, for joining us today and giving us some really, really good information about the office. Some stuff I didn't even know about, to be honest. Next episode we're going to do is probably going to be another special, but we're not entirely sure when that's going to be. So just keep your eye on the social media. Make sure you are subscribed to the podcast in order to get that first, so um, you can just get that pop down into your phone. And I think that's kind of it. Cool. Just on the 12th of April, we're having a party. Those of you who don't know about it, if you want to come to that, you can't, because uh, it's, <laughs> it's sold out. So and those of you that have thought to get tickets, we'll see you there. And those of you that haven't, too bad. Hopefully we'll see you next year. <laughs> more time to get in bloody Glastonbury tickets than tickets for that party. Yeah, although to be fair, we are That's in the works. We've got one in the works uh, in the works for potentially in June, so we're potentially going to be taking the show on the road and doing another office party in Bristol. Stay tuned for that. We'll have to modernise it though, lay down some drum bass shit. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. You have to lean. Yeah, lean into the mic. Always just leaning. Talking about it.